powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am Samantha Chang, and tonight I am joined by our guest, Lachlan Irvine. You can find him on Twitter at Lock in the Crease. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. We get to talk about a Canucks win, which is a very lucky break for us. <laughs> yeah, Canucks uh, string together a second win in a row, a sixth win of the season, putting them one off the seven that they won by December 1st last year. And they beat the Kings tonight. Uh, we got two goals from Besser, uh, two goals from Elias Pettersson, and an outstanding game from Thatcher Demko, which I feel like has been few and far between the season. Yeah, it's about time for him. He's He he really deserved uh, a good night tonight after all the, the tough outings he's been through. He looked, he looked like vintage Thatcher Demko tonight for sure. Yeah, what was... Um, We'd like to start uh, our first segment with kind of story of the game, biggest story. What did you think were the biggest stories of the game for the Canucks tonight? I mean, Demko's right up there. I'm the, Again, the fact that he had gone through such a hard time, there was a lot of talk about, oh, should you be giving Spencer Martin uh, more and more starts? Uh, and just seeing the way that he struggled, it's because it hasn't just been about the actual like wins and losses or the save percentage. It's been about just the way the pucks have been going in for him. Like not, he couldn't catch a break tonight. Not only did he have a great game just based on pure merit, but also like the bounces went his way for a change. Like there were so many times where a goal that a, a play that might've been a goal in a previous game ended up being uh, a quick whistle or something like that uh, to the point where Drew Doughty started just cussing out the refs at one point. Um, it, and it's great that uh, it's great to see that Demko had such a big game tonight and was like, and really factored into the, to the Canucks win tonight. Yeah. I thought Demko was outstanding tonight. If uh, you guys weren't keeping track, he had 36 saves tonight, um, 37 shots. And like you said, the one thing that stood out to me was that quick whistle where where Doughty was complaining. And any time you can piss Drew Doughty off, it's always a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to do. You you, you just you just like a, a wind blows in his blows in his face, and he starts like screaming. Like it's it's not it's a, I you can you can piss him off pretty quickly. <laughs> I always find it so interesting that like for a player who came into the league seeming like so good natured, likes a joke, he's actually so cranky. Yeah. And I, and you would think after winning like two Stanley cups, like he's got nothing left to prove in his career. He's got the money he's got, he's got everything going for him. Like he doesn't need to be this ornery going into the games. That's just him. I know it's wild. Um, I thought the other great storyline tonight was Brock Besser, who's I think been given a lot of taken a lot of slack from fans He's got 11 points in 12 games, which seems surprising if you think about it. But I think it's because he hasn't been scoring and he gets two tonight. Uh, what, what did you think of Besser's game? I mean, Besser's first goal was like uh, putting himself in the right position uh, for the deflection on that play. And I think the fact that he didn't necessarily have to make the highlight real goal to get it was really going to be important for him. Cause you saw the earlier chance he had on the power play where 
Uh, he had the pass from Petter. I think it was Pedersen, and he just ripped it wide on a and kind of almost didn't get the, the full like power behind that shot that he wanted. And you were just thinking, ah, like he's never going to score at this rate. So it was going to take that kind of like smaller, just putting your stick in the right place type of goal for him to get going. And then once that once that happened for him, suddenly the the floodgates opened. Like Sheldon Dries took a little shot on goal that Quick couldn't handle, and he was there to to smack it in. So all of a sudden he's got, he, he went from having no goals on the year to two and uh, Hey, 30 goals isn't entirely out of the question yet. No. It's a little optimistic for me, but let's, let's <laughs> go with it. I think um, I'm hopeful that for him, that kind of sparks the confidence and gets him going. Cause once he's, once he's in a groove, he's so much fun to watch and he just really hasn't been there. Yeah. It, it, and it's, and it sucks watching, him like his body language after like going through just like nothing could go right for him you could see clearly it was like wearing on him in the interviews and just the and just seeing him in like the on the broadcast you could tell it was definitely weighing on him a bunch that he hadn't gotten this goal and you know you couple that with all the injury luck it's it's been a it's been a it's been a tough start to the year for him so yeah to see him get those bounces is huge and it i think it definitely could snowball because once that once that piano's off your back, you feel so much less like weight. It really does feel like you, all of a sudden you can do whatever you want. And I think it was earlier this year. I think there was like what uh, Jamie Ben, I think on the stars had like the yeah. weirdest goal ever. He scored one, like just given an absolute gift. And then he scored a hat trick in the very next game. Like that's like, hopefully that's what you get out of Brock. That's asking for a lot, but at the very least, like hopefully it starts to just every so often you can see the, you'll start to see the goals trickle in just a little bit more for him. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, Last big story of the game. And I think he's been a story of the game pretty much every, every game this season. Uh, Cam Robinson at hockey Robinson on Twitter tweeted earlier tonight, Elias Pettersson has 37 goals and 77 points in his last 65 games. Wow. A- another two goals tonight. And I think, it's been a, I don't know, fans are so hard on Elias Pettersson. Like, people saying he wasn't playing his best last year. Like, him not as his best is still by far the best player on the Canucks as far as I'm concerned. And yep. as Satyar Shar pointed out tonight, you know, his offensive game never comes at the expense of his defensive game. Um, and yeah. I, I thought he had another outstanding effort tonight. Yeah, it's honestly incredible not that in this particular game, like what would have been probably Elias Pettersson being the biggest story, like the fact that it was, we talked about Demko and Besser ahead of him, it was kind of nuts because he had a he had two goals and they were both great. And and just like, yeah, like we were talking about his defensive game as well. I think it's incredible how almost automatic it is now that whenever him and Horvat are on the ice on that PK together, like you're expecting them to get a scoring chance out of it, which, cause, and again, like, it's amazing looking back at like years, like years prior where, you know, you couldn't, you would never see Pedersen on the PK and now not, he's probably their best PK or he's oh, at least fire. up there. Like, yeah, he's cause like, again, like you always expect him nowadays to just get a chance going the other direction on those penalty kills. And it's, and it, and you're, and you're right. Like it never comes out of like sacrificing an odd man rush the other way. Like it's always a really smart um, move that they make to the, to the other end of the ice. And yeah, like, Pedersen is just an is just an elite hockey player. Like it, it, and yet you're still surprised a little into in a, to a degree when you watch him score the goals that he does. Like 
Andre Kuzmenko deserves some credit for that 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 second goal, like because that was a great pass that was perfectly placed for him. But just like the fact that he's, you know, the that first goal on quick where he's like floated it just in that perfect spot. It got a little bit, bit of a deflection, but like that perfect spot just above quick's pad and under his glove where that goalies absolutely hate. Like that's 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 the mark of a true goal scorer. Like he's, he wasn't trying to pick a corner necessarily. He was just going for the best shot attempt he could and it worked. It was fun to watch, and there hasn't been a lot of that this season. Um, If you're just joining us, this is Game Over Vancouver. Uh, I'm Samantha Chang. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore, and I'm joined by Lachlan, who's at Lachlan the Grease. Canucks win 4-1 tonight over the LA Kings. Uh, Before we spin off into our second segment, I want to give a shout-out to Sports Interaction, our uh, sponsor. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Football continues, basketball is back, and the hockey season is well underway. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians, by Canadians, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, I see in our chat that not Clay is in in the chat. Clay, I think Hi, Clay. Clay was at the game tonight. Um, if he I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I, he I, predicted a four two win, which was actually pretty close. Yeah, that and oh, I think a lot closer than any of us would have expected, especially like looking at the Kings' record. Where I think they, had, I think they were seven two and one coming into this game. So they were. It's not like they were on a cold streak or anything. They even won their last game. So the fact that the Canucks came in and actually like. I honestly looked like the better team for most of the game. And you, you might, you might uh, disagree with me on that, but the fact that they looked, it seemed to me like they looked like the better team for the entire game. And that was huge. I thought other than kind of the start of the second, when they didn't have any shots, they were, they definitely looked like the better team. It was, I think one of the first times this season that I thought they put in a good effort in every single period. Yeah. So now that they've won two in a row, They've got six wins on the season. I think they're now at, I think if they lost tonight, they would have hit 10 losses. Uh, So not in double digit losses yet. Do you think, do you think the Canucks win more than seven games by December 1st? And they're at six now? They're at six Uh, now. And I think they've got, they've got five, I think they've got five left. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it, I, I mean, You'd you'd really hope so, considering how many games they have between now and December first, that they can you know at least enter the Christmas season with uh with the same amount of uh, wins they had last year. I mean, yeah, like uh I think uh, you know San Jose is one of those teams that you yeah. you should beat. Like it doesn't matter how bad the Canucks have been for the majority of this year. Like you should be beating San Jose, even with Eric Carlson's hot start. Like that's. That, that should be a, a game you should be winning every single time. So I think that's that's definitely one that I'm looking at out of that bunch where it's like, yeah, seven's, seven is totally accomplishable. And frankly, like you should you should hope that they do like it should be expected of them. They should be at seven. So these are these are the next five games. They've got Vegas next, Colorado after that, Vegas Oof. again, San Jose <laughs> and then Washington. So they really have only one chance to do it then. It's just it's just that one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's doable. I think they could they should beat San Jose, although 
if I've learned one thing about the Canucks is that they lose every game that I think that they should win. <laughs> yes, that's true. And they that's, I forgot always about that. Manage to win the games I think they should lose. Always. Um, that's that's been their that's been a franchise staple since 1970. Is always just winning at the weirdest possible time yeah. in the weirdest possible yeah, way. So watch, like the the win will end up coming against Colorado and not San Jose. That that would be very Canucks. That would be yeah. extremely Canucks, especially because Colorado hasn't looked particularly good. Like the cup no. hangover has been a little bit uh, strong for them. Yeah, and they're missing they're missing Nutrishkin, they're missing Byram, they're missing Oof. Landeskog. It's there's there's a chance there. There is, and I think like, and I remember back when the uh, the Avs were just kind of starting to build up into that like uh, that Stanley Cup team. There was that one game that where they were I think they were leading their division at that point they came into Vancouver the Canucks ended up taking them all the way to overtime and it was like Derek Pouliot with the winner and like an OT like it was a 6-5 game that the Canucks had no business winning yeah. like this is this is absolutely a that absolutely like look as a game the Canucks could absolutely just come out of nowhere and win to surprise everybody so uh David W in the chat says he sees it as more likely the Canucks will pick up at least one win at some point this month. So one like more than one of the five. The Canucks yeah. after 18 games are a point ahead of where the Habs were last season after 25 games. I I I mean that's that's good, but that's that is a that is good news to a degree. Uh yeah, I I I think being better than the Habs were last season is a very low bar, but that's I like I like the optimistic framing. Um, yeah. Personally, it's, I've already gone out on the limb of I want them to set a record for losing. So I don't know if that's good for my personal brand, but I guess it's, it's good <laughs> for morale. I just I mean, I listen, you can be you can you can really make history being the worst at something like uh, who I think the that's worst winning. The worst winning winning record of all time I, in the NHL, or at least recently, winning percentage wise, I think was was it was it Colorado the Colorado, Colorado team? the fifteen sixteen season, who's which uh, also included Spencer Martin on it. So he's the key. He might be the key here. Um, I mean, I just watched an entire like documentary. This is completely unrelated, but I watched a documentary on like the seven win Charlotte Bobcats that's on oh YouTube. It's like two and a half hours long, but it's amazing. Like just watching that and just seeing them go through that. Hey, you can, you can really, you can really make some, make some fun history out of that. I mean, who doesn't want Connor Bedard, right? Exactly. Like I want a, I want Connor Bedard B. I want to set a record. Like if you're going to start off losing as many games as they have, you might as well go for it. Um, yeah. And also, I think the other record they could go for, I, okay, it didn't happen tonight, so maybe I should save this joke, but at one point when the Kings scored their one and only goal, I had a moment of, oh, here we go again. Like, they had a 2 nothing lead, and they're going to blow it. And I asked and did not get a definitive answer on what is the record for all-time multiple le- multi-goal leads blown in one season. Someone told oh, me they thought it was 15. Um, and I think the Canucks are uh, definitely on pace to break that record if if that is in fact the number. I would I would imagine so. I'm trying to think like I'm trying to think what era of hockey you would have to be playing in for that to where they would you would be able to set that record. You'd have to be because you'd have to be. It's really it's such a weird little 
place to be because one, you have to be good enough to get the lead in the first place. So you can't, it can't like, you're not going to, it's not like an expansion team that would set like the set a record for losses in a year is going to be getting out to a bunch of leads in, in even multi-goal leads at any point during a season. Right. So you have to be good enough to get the initial lead, but then bad enough defensively to blow it. And that's such a weird combo to get into. Like there was the the stat description of the Canucks. Yes. It, absolutely. Uh, we, I think at the, I think at the beginning of the year on the, on our, on our last crease cast uh, before we went on hiatus, uh, we were talking about how like, you know, the Canucks might not win all the time, but they're going to be more entertaining. And I mean, you can't deny they've been entertaining through all the, the blown leads. Just a bad kind of entertaining. Just the bad, just the bad kind of entertaining where you want someone to shut the TV off, but no one does. And you can't it, look away. And you can't look away. It's a car crash. It, it really is. Everyone's just rubbernecking on the side of the road as JT Miller tries to get the puck out of his own zone. Oh, and that is, this is shockingly depressing for a game where I actually thought, I thought this was the Canucks maybe best game of the season. This is the first game where they actually played a game where I thought if they can sustain this into the next game, they might actually start looking good. Yeah, that was easily their best game. It was the most complete from top to bottom. There were still a couple uh, smelly plays here and there. Uh, the the Riley Stillman one jumps right to the front for me. Like just that, I, I I'm just I I watched that replay so many times, and I was just thinking to myself, like, oh man, you just got to throw the puck up the boards the other way. You have plenty of room. I don't know why you're throwing it. Makes- it no sense it was uh, yeah it was the, the absolute uh, i if i were thatcher demko in that case and i've been thatcher demko in that case a couple times in my minor hockey slash beer league career i would just be screaming at riley stillman out in the locker room after like what are you doing why would you ever make that play um but yeah like the to to bring it back to a nice to a nice uh side of things like yeah they played top to bottom like a way better game than any of their recent outings like the every single win they've had this year more or less has been by the skin of their teeth this one not and not even just i'm not even talking about the score itself the actual effort it in entirely they felt like they were in the driver's seat the entire time which is completely different from any of their wins so far this year do you think they continue this into the next game they're playing and they're playing Vegas next, they're right? Vegas next. I think, I I think the effort level could be, you could see that effort level from them again. Like, I mean, what Curtis Lazar was doing uh, in this game could come in handy in that when you go when you get into it against a team like Vegas that is quick on the puck but also like big and physical. Um, I, I think you could definitely see the effort level. The actual results might be a little bit different. Um, especially when you look at just that murderer's row of, uh, offensive talent they have, like when it, when it comes to like uh, trying to like stop power plays and whatnot. But I mean, I, I think it's doable in terms of the effort wise, for sure. Uh, Curtis Lazar is who I want to talk about in our third segment, uh, Canucks got Curtis Lazar back tonight and he was a noticeable spark plug. Like I have not seen them play with the effort they have tonight. And, you know, the quote from him coming into the game was he wanted to drag them into a fight and he was physical. He was everywhere you looked. What did you think about Curtis Lazar tonight? 
I mean, he was he was incredible, like just in terms of the way that like, yeah, like the way he played was just, you know, he was just throwing his body around like it's nothing like revolutionary. But it, you know, for this Canucks team, it's not really something they've they ever do. They're not they're not a, a big heavy hitting team. Um, so for Lazar to just be jumping in there, just throwing his weight around it every single minute and like see and noticeably putting the Kings off of their game, like he got Sean Walker to take a really like dumb retaliation penalty uh, in the second period, just from throwing a bit of, like a hit that was just a little bit late later than Sean Walker would have liked. And it's, yeah, like that's the kind of effort the Canucks have been lacking, like that kind of not only, not only effort, but in just, uh, in terms of like guy who clearly is enjoying himself on the ice to a, to a point, like there've been a lot of times this year where the Canucks have looked like they couldn't, they couldn't wait to get off the ice. So for Curtis Lazar to be out there, like, I'm just going to have some fun and just, smash people into the glass the entire game like that's a noticeable like energy that you're bringing to the to a team that desperately needs some right now yeah if anyone wants to go see the clip of him i into drawing that penalty that Lockman was talking about it you can see it you clipped it it's at lock in the crease on twitter so feel free to go check that out uh gordy parento in the chat says that's really all we ask for as fans i totally agree i as usual me being the debbie downer I thought Lazar had a great game. I thought he was super fun to watch. It was great that he sparked that kind of effort in the team. For me, what concerns me, and I said this on Twitter earlier, is that a player like Curtis Lazar should not be the person who sparks this much of a difference in the effort in your team. Like, I don't understand how they can't play this way before he was in there. Like, why did you need Curtis Lazar to drag this kind of effort out of you? Yeah, it reminds me of the the uh, the John Tortorella quote from uh, I think it was his first game back after he had that long suspension for trying to fight the entire Calgary Flames locker room. He comes back in like this first game, they, they end up losing and he was or I, and he was like, you know, David Booth was our best player on the ice tonight. And that says a lot about our team's effort, like a- a- actively like dumping on not only David Booth, but the entire team. But like, yeah, that is kind of that kind of is what this is in a case where it's like like Curtis Lazar what is a very likable guy and he's plays a very fun, high energy style of hockey. But yeah, like if he is the number one takeaway and if he had been the number one takeaway from this game, thankfully for with guys like Demko and Pedersen and Besser, he wasn't. But if if he had been the only good thing worth talking about about this game, like, yeah, that was going to be a huge problem. Uh, so for so, yeah, like it is it's not great that it was that quick and immediate, like the difference of the there of the energy level on the ice. But hopefully you'll see that kind of just seat back in. It does. It does. It does worry you about the energy in terms of like other guys on the ice and how do they how do you self-motivate like how are how are they like especially guys like um like like jt miller and uh connor garland and oliver ekman larson like okay if if lazar is not in your lineup how are you self-motivating yourself to play at that same kind of high like level of intensity yeah i absolutely agree those are the guys who should be the leaders on the team and instead of that being the story you know the positive story is coming from curtis lazar who was as we all agree, fantastic to watch tonight, really made the game a lot more fun. And the story about, you know, Horvat, who's scoring at a ridiculous pace, and JT Miller at the intermission was how many goals against they'd been on for. And I think Miller was at 27 for the season and Horvat was at 25. 
Oh, oh boy. It's yeah, it's that 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 about sums up the Canucks entire year, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's a it's been such a it's such a weird roller coaster. I mean, there was the one stat I think that Sportsnet stats posted where it was like the Canucks are are 30 like have 31st in win in winning percentage, but they're they've led for like the third longest amount of yeah, time out of anybody like, or something. Like four, fourth in terms of time times and time of game led. Yep. <laughs> yep. That and that. Yeah. And that sums it up because you're getting the offense like they're and they're they're actually getting the offense to match in a lot of games. They just defensively, they just can't hang on. They just keep collapsing. Um. Okay. Last question for you. There is a lot of talk about, you know, like Francesco Aquilini meeting with Jim Rutherford and I think the message being quote unquote fix it, which is always interesting. Um I think a much more complex solution than fix it is <laughs> is probably required. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um I feel like there were a lot of things that should have been done differently if they were going to fix it. But anyways, everyone is talking about I think whether or not Bruce Boudreaux lasts to the end of the year because Jim Rutherford has said numerous uh, unflattering things about him publicly. There's a lot of rumors about Andrew Brunette coming in, Rick Tockett coming in. What is your prediction for the coaching situation? Uh, it's it's honestly so hard to say at this point, like because on one hand, you would you're almost surprised that Boudreaux is still here. Not because again, like let's be very clear here. None of what the Canucks are dealing with is really Bruce Boudreaux's fault. Like has he made mistakes on the ice and like some of his lineup decisions been a little questionable? Yeah, absolutely. But that's true of every coach. Like there's yeah. The, the, the comparison I always brought, uh, on the on the podcast was like, you know, if you brought Scotty Bowman like prime in his prime Scotty Bowman back to present day with a time machine and he knew all the nuances of modern day hockey, he might be able to get like a couple extra wins out of this team, but nothing that's going to completely change your your fortunes for the entire year and make you suddenly into a cup contender. And with with Boudreaux, it is one of those things where it's like it does seem like the writing is on the wall like, that he's going to be gone as soon as the next uh, as soon as the next losing streak kicks in or as soon as the, you know, as soon as they even maybe just lose one game at home here. Like it does feel like that's what's what the case is going to be. I would be surprised if Boudreaux made it to the end of the year at this point. It's just a matter of hoping that, you know, if they're moving on from him, that either a you're doing it because you're in a way you're doing him a favor of like not having to deal with this every single day where he's having to talk about, you know, what talk about, Hey, do you think you're going to get fired anytime soon? Or at the very least, it's not just to like hire whoever's available right out of the gate. Cause Hey, sometimes it's worth just waiting to just see who becomes available later. You just throw the interim tag on who you've got, especially in a season like this that already seems pretty much lost as it is like, yeah, like just, I think I would be surprised. I think in my opinion, if Boudreaux made it to the end of the calendar year, that's I think where I'd set my, my expectations at. What about you? I I agree with you. Um, I would be surprised if he made it to the end of the calendar year, just based on the comments they're making. I find the really interesting dynamic this season is that he is super popular with the fans um, he's just a likable guy. I've said before, I think he has the right temperament for the market. Um, 
you know, he knows when to laugh at himself and keep things light, but still take things seriously. So he's been a, he's just a huge hit with the fans, which I think is such a weird dynamic for, for, you know, Rutherford to constantly be like, it's the coach's fault. um, When clearly the fans don't seem to think so. Like, like you said, there are always questionable decisions. I can't wrap my head around why Riley Stillman continues to be in the lineup when you can just have Kyle Burroughs. Um, So there are definitely some questionable things, but not enough things that would make would have made a noticeable difference to this team. Uh, Tony Smolak in her chat says, "Please no Rick Tockett," which I think you had the same same reaction about. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I I've seen Rick Tockett's like teams when they're coach coach teams before. Um, the the boring hockey that they play is not worth any wins that they get. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, it, like, even if he was a successful coach, like part of like, and uh, by all accounts, he really hasn't been in. And to be fair, that's partially because he was uh, working for a Coyotes team that wasn't really running the show pretty very well. So he, maybe he's a better coach than what we've seen. But like the actual style of play that he was uh, enforcing or like, you know, that he had his players playing was so unwatchable. Like, I just think back to all of those, ki- all of those like, two one three one coyotes games coyotes canucks games from the last like from the last however many years that i had to sit through and just be like oh when will this end like please just let this game end right now um yeah yeah. i'm with you this is a team that is not good enough to win most of their games i think even with a different coach um i would much rather see the type of effort we saw tonight and see them lose entertaining games than win like a handful more games playing super boring hockey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do see in the chat, uh, RV sports show recommending Ricard Gronberg. I love that pick. Like that would be a pick that I would want. That's an action like for sure. If I, but I think he's pretty happy. I think he's in Zurich right now. I think that's where he's coaching. He's coaching Yuho Lamico on the Zurich lions. I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you for joining us tonight. Love. Um, Again, the Canucks win a second game in a row. They play Vegas next. Uh, Hit like, subscribe, SDPN, um, game over, and we will see you when the Canucks take on the Vegas Golden Knights next. Uh, Hope everybody has a great weekend and enjoys that win. Bye.